Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to The Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. Be a part of the conversation as industry insiders, genre lovers, and cinephiles dare to peek beyond the curtains of imagination and dive into the art of cinema. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. Now here's your host, Armand Haddad. All right. Okay. Guys, welcome. Hello. We're back again. As we are, Mike, always. you returned. Thank you for not getting scared off from Mulholland Drive. Oh no, I I was worried I would scare you guys off. I was like, <laughs> no, you went deep. It was great. I I was like, if I can't dive down to the bottom of the ocean with them, mm. you know, I'm not going to sell Marina Trench. Marina, yeah. it truly was. <laughs> We're talking about Mulholland Drive, and then yeah. you're like, you know, the dictators in Spain, and I'm like, whoa. Yeah, no, it's deep. like the the narrative of the mirror. We're going to just be all over the place. And I'm and- like, how's this going to relate to Mulholland Drive? And then you linked it back and it was great <laughs> i gotta tell you guys like you guys are like some of the closest people in my life and oh. you guys both love movies and you guys just kind of like to see you guys finally come together for Mulholland drive which was like very cinematographer like very like almost by the book yeah and then now to come into this movie it was like <laughs> almost not so much like a 180 but it was it was like um i Honestly, yeah, it damn near wasn't one. I mean, yeah. I but I appreciated it because like a lot of like, quote unquote, high cinema, which I think David Lynch has gotten dragged into is like, oh, you know, oh, oh okay. so be- uh, so before we start, <laughs> <laughs> you're making this gesture and I'm like, I am I going in the right direction with the sentence? No, you're doing toast? fantastic. I only just <laughs> recall from the last time we did the episode, we did like a chair. So it was like, oh, okay, yeah, okay guys. Well, I have cheers. the coffee, but cheers, then I have the beer. Yeah, let me cheers with the beer. Thank you. Yeah, that's how Come we do. on. So we gathered today because we're watching Shin Ultraman. We just watched Shin yeah. Ultraman. Yep. So Diego, mm-hmm. I think it was like two years ago by this point, we watched Shin Godzilla. Yes. And that was phenomenal. Oh, right? that was so much Hadikeano. fun. So Hadikeano came back and he did Shin Ultraman. Yes. So I think you're the guy. I need to ask you. Yes. 
So since you're so well-versed in the whole kaiju universe, <laughs> how did you first encounter Ultraman? Mm. Uh, I actually kind of think back to as like a, as a child, it's, it's funny. I've never seen an episode of Ultraman, but, um, my dad was telling me as, as when I was a kid that he was an Ultraman fan. (laughs) And I remember he came back, um, from a business trip and he had, uh, you know, he had like gave us these Ultraman figures, but I had never, ever seen an Ultraman I, you you know, thought it was just, like Die Doctor Thunder as Superman or something. No, you know <laughs> or it's Power Ranger. It's you, yeah. you know, and when you say Power Ranger, when I look at this, when I'm you know as a child and I'm holding this figure, I'm like, this reminds me of a Power Ranger. You know <laughs> what I mean? And it's like in my older years, I like you know do uh, research and whatnot. It's kind of find out that uh, Ultraman is part of like this kind of this sub genre within Japanese like kind of like giant monster verse called mm-hmm. the Common kind of uh genre and it's it's it oh means God, transformation like, is it spelled k-a-m-e-n correct okay yeah. i thought it was like two layers of gods like the titans and the lesser gods or the devas like there's the common <laughs> so i mean it's, the it's interesting when you think about that though because like when you think about the idea of transformation it's like um being able to um physically impose themselves from being able to relate themselves as like a physical human being but like yeah. no and say like i am taller than you so yeah when you think about like um when you think about power rangers and whatnot like the giant robots and whatnot or all the uh all the all the monsters that get enlarged by rita <laughs> and try to Destroy the Power Rangers. You know, sorry. No, Big Power Rangers fan. Really excited. I, I think you say it's interesting yeah. to see their forces, though, because yeah. I've been reading recently about, like, um, you know, like pre Christian Europe mm-hmm. as well as like pre Columbian America mm-hmm. and like, um, like the earlier religions of like Persia before like the monotheistic ones came through. Mm-hmm. And what I think is interesting is that they talk about how gods are like forces in nature and people mm-hmm. are also a local force in nature, right? Yes, They're yeah. controlling where the plants grow. They're controlling where the water goes. And then you suddenly have the weather that imposes this great thing, you know, and, um, and it, uh, what does it do? It ends up like you end up basically anthropomorph. What's the word? Anthropomorphize. I can't, you end up turning into a human-like form. Uh, the forces of nature are local to you, yes. like floods, like rivers. Mm. The earliest organized religious cult we see is for alligators or crocodiles um, wow. in ancient Egypt. And it's because they were the biggest force that could kill you in the local area. And they anthropom- anthropomorphize I'm going to see if you can say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that is um, Sobek, I want to say, the oh, well, the earliest god of I ancient never Egypt. never knew that. That's so cool. And, and you look at that idea before, mm-hmm. like, Christianity and mm-hmm. Islam sort of came through and rewrote mm-hmm. the Middle East and Europe. And there's this idea that people like mm-hmm. the gods are forces of nature and that things like speech are explicitly forces, mm-hmm. which comes over into Christianity with like the idea of the word and logos and what Paul says. Mm-hmm. But that still exists in Shintoism, that mm-hmm. idea that a force that you feel, whether it's coming out of a person or coming out of nature, exists and is something to not be trifled with. Or if you do trifle with it, you better hope that you are like uh, one of the tricksters in these stories and you can outsmart this massive natural force that is a god or a kami and i just i get the feeling with with ultraman that you have this 
these realization of natural forces Mm -hmm. and like the ancient gods, they're not an explicitly moral force of like love or suffering or redemption. They're just this natural force. And all you can do is pray that the natural force will not come through. Mm. Like, you know, like may may I also like kind of add to and and, in talking about that Shin means true. Um, and, mm. and talking about Shinto and I, all, all I can think of is honestly like how words build up on each other is that honestly how like if we're thinking of the word uh, Shin means true and yeah. Shinto is like a, also a, a a religion. To is like a, an, an analog to Tao in Chinese. They're like the same. Oh, symbol. And, and exactly. Yeah. And it's like almost like true religion like um, true religion yeah it's like Taoism. yeah yeah and it's 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 true faith like this is like the this is what we believe in this is the beginning this is zero you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like Mm -hmm. i don't know i almost kind of uh in the beginning of this movie like they show i like they did such a great idea showing all of these different kind of kaiju representing different kind of like kind of forces in the world like wind you know they, Earth. Man, there was, and they yeah. said one of them that caused a windstorm is that you'll never know when you'll see it again. And I, all I could think <laughs> of is that, like, is that the idea of like almost like a, like a monsoon season, like a hurricane season, in the sense that it is reoccurring. Oh yeah, or even bigger than that, like a cycle of life and death and humanity, yes. where a plague rolls through, yeah. or a tsunami rolls through. And you don't know what's going to be left after that point. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I, man, I, I feel like Armand, I feel like you're, you can kind of set us on like a, a golden path, if you will, of where we should start talking about this movie. Should we start from the beginning? Like, I want to unpack what you just said, because sure. it's really interesting because I'm having an epiphany because mm-hmm. Mike was saying like ancient man anthropomorphized. Yeah. Uh, it's like animals. a third try with the word. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. Uh, you know, animals to humanoid. Uh, so, like, when I think back to, like, the Romans or the Greeks where they have, like, Zeus and Hercules mm-hmm. and, like, all these, like, mm-hmm. uh, gods that are man or women. Mm-hmm. And when I look at these kaijus and it's like, oh, the forces of nature, like a monsoon and a hurricane, it's like, oh, my God, are the kaiju – the Japanese version of like the Greek gods. Absolutely. Oh, oh. my gosh. Like, I, I'm sorry. I'm just like, I'm so excited because I, I just really felt like the, when I was looking at these kaiju in the beginning, like I kind of felt like, I, excuse me, I couldn't but help to feel like, it's crazy how I couldn't felt like, but couldn't help to feel like it was that truncated. I couldn't help to feel like that. Oh, wow. I can help to feel like that. The, um, that, the uh, the I just felt like this heavy mysticism with those kaiju in the yeah. beginning, and I was like, "Damn!" Like I these you're also the, just thrown into the movie, and you're demanded to make yes. sense of it without like there's no slow yeah. build of like I am doing something remotely normal, and you're and seeing then there's the human, tension, and right. now the weird thing comes out. It's like yes. no weird thing, make peace with it as it happens because <laughs> we got another weird thing lined up, and like, we're made yeah. peace with it because the humans have been able to handle it every single time. Yes. And then Ultraman appears when it becomes like, uh, this is a threat that's outside of our realm. Right. So. But it's, it's also like, they're already losing. Like, I feel like he doesn't appear right away. It's like, Oh yeah. We're like, you see it dwindling as it goes on with each yeah. kaiju for sure. It's it's, I, I thought a lot of it was that, uh, a lot of these like sort of tokusatsu. Um, I believe that's the word. Tell me if I'm screwing that up. Mm-hmm. Um, Sounds right. Uh, sort of genre of movies 
uh, kind of are like the other for Japan, where they represent whatever is the imminent disaster. And the mm. earliest, like Godzilla, is clearly like a very naked atomic bomb metaphor of yes. like, yeah, just very barreling through an urban area. Yeah. yeah. Or, and maybe you could say an earthquake, and maybe that's still true. But I saw a lot of COVID in this. I saw mm. a lot of like, and I think we were talking about this during the movie, but this this attitude of all the people were bickering. And mm-hmm. in the old Japanese movies, it's almost you could say a flat characterization, but there's these big masses of people that are just responding to the event of Godzilla as a massive individuals. And here they're like yeah. criticizing global like, you know, U.S. dominance and they're criticizing Japan's organization of things mm-hmm. and the and, and the personality of the prime minister and in the function of the U.N. And they're also mm-hmm. fighting with each other and they're not really resolving any of these things mm-hmm. and that's what covid felt like covid was like trump going <laughs> like well put lice on your blood just kidding it's not real yeah you did know, you say we could bleach uh yeah. infect in oh my god oh no inject the bleach mm. in the veins mm. and, the and, and i think we like one we saw Mm-mm. this this dis we saw an illusion uh dismantled that the republicans are the party that's very together and the, the democrats are like the vague reaction to the republicans mm. instead we're like oh this is like a like five little opinionated groups yeah. in a trench coat yep. that are like all pretending to be one viewpoint yeah. and they're not getting along and it's not i'm not even saying this is like a oh the democrats Democrats have a viable alternative or like it's a normative judgment. I want to just say like we expected our Frank Capra moment mm-hmm. or our fireside chats of FDR during the Great Depression of like, it's rough, but if we pull together, we'll all get through it. Oh, that and, is and, exactly what I ex- – so – Yeah, and, and we I, didn't yes, see that. And we yes. didn't well, – and I'll, and I'll let you go more into that, but I just want to bring it back real quick of like we didn't see that around the world. We didn't see no. that here, not no. in Peru, not in Brazil, in the not beginning. in Japan. I, I, it was like the first two weeks. It's like let's band together, let's do yeah. this, and then it quickly dissipated. Yeah. So also to add on to that was when I, um, because I was working at Live Nation, which was like a you know doing live concerts and stuff like that at that time, yeah. and it was I, I never realized how much celebrities were like when their livelihood was threatened in the aspect of um, damn, like I could die and potentially not be able to perform anymore or i could get covid sick or it like affects my ability to perform live yeah right it's respiratory just gonna disappear bro bro i'm not gonna lie but but even the reverse of you don't have that economic authority then your boss is gonna demand no i know but like i felt like like just uh personally in the aspect of like as uh feeling like someone who lost out from the from covid right Mm -hmm. um maybe Mm. lost out is a strong word i would say just like someone who felt like um i personally had a i had a personal epiphany about like what it is i really wanted to do and it wasn't so much like entertainment in mind because yeah. it's just um you realize that just that industry is just so like personal cutthroat they do what they will do for their own personal you're trying pocket. to sculpt the value of art because it's trying to fit into a capitalist system that's all about value you know yep yep Exactly. Exactly. And I don't know. It's gross because it's like you take something that's very authentically a vision of an artist Mm -hmm. and you just Mm -hmm. are like, oh, it fits into this market demographic. I'm going to shape it that way. Like, I don't know. I know that I I feel like I'm saying it cynically because I would never do it. But like, 
I, I think we're what you said of we realized something. We realized how fragile something was. We realized how quickly something would fall apart. That was all of COVID. That was like, oh, we don't really have a global world plan. Right. Like it turns out that that movie about uh, contagion, about the virus. Yes. If you remember when it came out, um, it got the one really uh, crit- criticized part of the movie, the heavily critiqued part was Jude Law's performance as a conspiracy theorist. The Alex Jones stand in. Yeah. And he says he has a fake vaccine and he does it to make money. And then he gets arrested for mass panic. And the reviews at the time were like, well, that's BS. There's nobody who would be that dumb and that popular. And it's not real. And that was turned out to be the realest part of contagion is like, yes, yes there were a million of those people. Yeah. Yes. The, the like populist right is disorganized. The mm-hmm. populist left is demoralized mm-hmm. why should i take action Ugh. i'm gonna like critique from behind a monitor you know and mm-hmm. i feel like social media radicalized it because you could criticize and describe and everyone was at home yeah they yeah. weren't doing anything yeah. they're all right. online and and who it's does tough. the argument go to but the purists of the ideal the radicals mm-hmm. not the messy morally flawed morally corrupted because mm-hmm. it's a negotiation of all the virtues not the moderates because their their victory is implementation and you can't implement you can't get the 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 streets plowed and you can't get the policies passed from behind a facebook post how are social creatures supposed to adapt to a world all of a sudden when social when when social you know sociality uh, what what word are you looking for uh probably society right yeah we live in a society when society (laughs) well when society is at its communicative peak we're all social creatures Since the dawn of time, we are meant to live with each other, work with each other, be with each other. Yes. And then we have this virus, this enemy that we cannot see, this this pathogen. Yeah. And it's like, we have to stay home for our safety. You you cannot go outside unless you must. We we had bad leaders. Like, we literally had South Korea's plan, and it was not implemented. And Japan even implemented something closer to it. And I would say Japan was one of the more successful countries, but they still had this bickering. They still had this debate about when to unlock. And everyone had that. China's having it now. The thing is, we had a president that did nothing. Now, he didn't do nothing. He didn't want to offend (laughs) Mm -hmm. Anybody. So then his reaction was, let me just do the least amount possible to do the, yeah. the least amount of damage. And that was the worst decision. If well, it I was, was the least amount of damage to the markets. And yes. he was like, and it's like, dude, you have to let the market is going to radically reorganize itself. Man. It's going to reorganize itself into a locked down world. And you have to let it do that. Don't prop up Boeing, prop up everyone locking down, which, you know, didn't really that's happen. What the, that's what we fucking should have done. Yeah. We, said, yeah. we have other you countries that nationalize yeah. salaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if. OK, listen, I'm listening. If the president did this mm-hmm. in 2020. Yeah. We would be living in a very different world if we like. Truly lock down the borders. This is what I would have done. Lock down the borders. You cannot leave. You cannot enter for like a month. Yeah. We have the military uh, delivering food and water. I mean, you're literally describing contagion. Yeah. I I mean, okay, so you got to do it. Got to do martial law. (laughs) Full martial law. I don't think you have to do martial law. I think the idea of planning for it suggests martial law. I get it. Benjamin Franklin, security. No, it's the elite panic idea of like. I was going to say, dude, there was when even when like lockdown happened, like there was mild panic. And I I panicked. 
No, I, I, I was like, holy shit, martial law. We panicked because we had a president-inducing panics. He was yeah, saying, that's hey, true. By the that's Lucas everyone go home. I'm locking down the country. And like, I was in an office building watching yeah. him deliver that speech, and I had it on speakers, so the whole office heard. Oh, God. Everyone was running out. I was, I was like on the Titanic. Felt like I was on the Titanic, and I was the last one to leave. I'm not even going to lie. So, like, uh, what was it? It was um it was the day before lockdown and I called in sick like the day of that lockdown happened but the night before lockdown like the day before lockdown happened I just had a feeling I went out to like oh dude I did I went out to Tony yeah I went out to Tony's like the day before lockdown and I definitely I just was like something's something's coming man. it was no because the week before one my dad had a relative who died very mysteriously and quickly like she mm. got she had like a weird head thing and laid down and died the next morning and she had no previous illness or symptoms it was just a double like double um it was she died and then he had passed no it was a it was a different thing it was like her i don't know if she had either ever been married or she wasn't but it was like a second cousin of my dad's and he was invited to the funeral and I ended up being a pallbearer with them because there were just there, they they were really short on pallbearers. And um, there was this weird like, oh, well, you know, she was in her like, I don't know, late 60s or early 70s and overweight. So whatever. But everybody like all the speeches were about how she was energetic and it wasn't weird. But then the day afterwards, that was like a Thursday and it was a Friday. Yeah. And I went to this punk bar that was in like two blocks from where I lived and they had this band playing and they had gotten in a van and they had traveled. Dahlias. The one? No, Dahlias. Oh Go my on. God. <laughs> so, no, no. So they traveled in a van from Portland. You remember how the like coasts were hit first and they were like, yeah, we just like alternated at gas stations and drove nonstop to Chicago. And they were like, all of us had bred it. Well, they were like, all of us had gotten sick in different waves in Portland with this weird, bad flu and I was like having a beer with the girl and I was like, I didn't put these things together. I put them together in retrospect. Yeah. And then Monday or Tuesday, I was at a coffee shop and they're like, I don't know why we're not locking down. Like, this is really bad. Like the the tourists who come in are like saying that it's getting bad. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, you know, I think it was like Tuesday or Wednesday or something, or maybe it was Thursday or Friday. It was later that week. That was when Pritzker said, oh, we're locking it down. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, wow. But but all to say, when you look at Ultraman and you look at how society sort of normalized that we're going to be divided in the face of a crisis because of this very real COVID experience, mm. that's what we're seeing. We're not seeing everybody work the gears like a Godzilla or James Bond. All the Everybody's a henchman. Everybody's in a uniform of loyalty. Mm -hmm. That's gone. There's this like this nasty selfishness that always seemed like an exaggeration and it was an exaggeration in reality. And now it's like a real, it's deal. tough because I don't think it's selfishness. I, I think it's helplessness. I think there's a, almost a Lovecraftian part of it. You know what I mean? Where it's, it's like this existential dread. Yeah. I think really it's, this is, you. this is like this thing that we, that we, we were slowly losing a fight against. And now this thing that appears out of nowhere is our best shot against it. Yeah. I mean, I guess. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's Jesus. that's also, and they have that aesthetic and shit. An original sin. Sorry. No, but it, it's like when you want to show helplessness in a monster movie, right? Mm -hmm. In the old movies, it's like depicted as these temporary, unconscious, emotional, fleeting moments of people panicking, yeah. and then they have a plan, mm -hmm. and either they lose because they suddenly die, or they 
they win. But now we're, people are presented in these movies with this with this terrible thing they can't stop a giant like kaiju or whatever. Mm-hmm. And instead of like either getting together to make a plan or like just panicking. Now there's like this thing of everybody's priorities are wrong. And like this movie is just showing people who are very organized, conscious and lucid in their priorities, like who sucks in the office and what the politics are. And the UN doesn't want to give a budget to save a whole like a whole fucking country experiencing a disaster. And in real life, they don't. Right. We have all this money and we can give the money to do anything, Mm -hmm. but we give it to open up markets and we don't give it to like rebuild after an earthquake. It's amazing. See, but here's the thing. Uh, because you keep on saying like, yeah. you said this earlier with like, uh, if there was like a Godzilla, like, oh, you know, a band together and yeah. defeat it. I know you didn't see Shin uh, Godzilla, yeah. Diego, you did. Believe it or not, they had the same exact reaction to Godzilla. Now, that was like the first time they saw anything. Oh, it was that Lovecraftian element where it's like, oh, my God, like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and like the governments in that movie, they didn't know how to react. They so what they sure. did was. They did not react. They're like, this is not a. Th-. So it was like a divided house. It was like, we need to do something. And then the other yeah, has like, I, we're not going to do anything. It's, I would call that no like, threats. Yeah. I would call that the, like the austerity reaction of like, oh, things got bad. You know what we need to do? Give even less aid to people suffering. So and, and normalized as austerity. Uh, like, so see, okay, within Shin Ultraman, though, Shin Godzilla was about despair. Shin, God, uh, Shin Ultraman is all about hope. So Shin, true. and it, Shin Ultraman, right? So Shin, you know, Ultraman yeah. is ultimately um, his superior is, is saying you're willing to sacrifice yourself for these people. And he said, yes, because they are young. They are naive. Like they are still kind of taking this all in. Right. So I, it almost kind of seems as it's um, as if like um, Shin or uh, Ultraman kind of represents the idea, like literally the idea of hope. Like, yeah, you're going to have your people that are divided. You're going to have your people that are constantly bickering, but there's just always like that thing, that um, unified conscious that like things will get better, even if it's not within my lifetime. But, you know, yeah, I I would even expand on that in saying that I think those two things are tied that we thought that the government or the world order as it was of like, you know, and I don't want to say this sounding polemical, but like the world order of neoliberal capitalism, where more and more free trade was better. And that was how we were going to get rid of absolute poverty worldwide. Mm-hmm. And if it was hurting your neighborhood, you owed it to globalism to find a market solution. And if it was mm-hmm. hurting your country, you owed it to not have tariffs. And with Trump and then with covid and then with this experience of like Russia and Ukraine, globalism doesn't fucking work. Well, no, no, no. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not attacking globalism. What I'm attacking is for the first time in the lives of millennials and Mm -hmm. Gen Z, but millennials who are even older, the global world order does not seem impenetrable and inevitable. And we don't feel great about it. We feel kind of scared because like everyone's kind of lost their minds. The left doesn't really have a good alternative and the right is just letting it like, kind of like they're shaving off all the parts of society that are not worth saving. And now we know that this is all just an illusion. Like, like we were saying earlier, right. Of like, Oh, we learned that this 
that there was an illusion that there was this power there. And in Shin Godzilla before COVID, before all of that, the Shin, government, Godzilla, you, Shin Godzilla, the earlier one. Oh, okay. So, so you're telling me that the government has the power to just keep quiet and let a disaster happen. Now the government is really bad at covering up disasters. You know, like the East Palestine, like league. I don't know if you guys have heard about it on no, the train. No, don't so, tell me about it. Oh, okay. So there's a giant chemical leak. Uh, I think it's where is it the Cincinnati area? I want to say yeah. maybe I don't know Ohio very well, but there's a town in East Palace. It's called East Palestine in Ohio. And when you, you you had said Palestine before, and I was like, oh yeah, no. Anytime your name of your place is Palestine, you're gonna have a bad time. Like that's the moral here. What well, so, about Palatine? It's gonna be <laughs> you're gonna have a boring time. Oh, oh, there was a man. That was a. Oh, man. Anyway, continue. Continue. Sorry. <laughs> no, Palatine actually is the best bars of like the Northwest suburbs, in my opinion. <laughs> I'm not going to attack it's it. It's trivia night, right? Well, it's just like, yeah, they got lamp lighters. It's just a it's great time. that new Bears stadium. Hey, oh, hey Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that. Arlington <laughs> Heights, actually. But yes, I'll continue. True. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, I don't even remember what my point was. Oh, oh, so so I think there's this idea now that there's hope because we know none of this is set in stone. Yeah. The world order is not actually it actually doesn't have eight backup plans. It's not actually going to fill, you know, the 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 hallways with plastic when the aliens invade like Evangelion. Mm -hmm. It's just a bunch of fucking idiots. And and flying by the seat of their pants. Yeah, and, and all the people trying to change the world are too, but all the people trying to change the world, the difference between trying to preserve something and trying to change something is that you only have one option for a goal in preserving it. Yeah. But if you want to change it, you can keep changing what that is. You can keep trying new things. You don't have to keep defending the same thing. And so there's a hope there of like, yeah, I get infinite options as a as a person who wants the world to change. And if I'm trying to hold things together... It's looking bleak. And I don't know if you've heard the rhetoric from like Fox News and all that after the last House of Representatives election. But, you know, the, the there was a record turnout of younger people, people that are like under 30. Mm. Um, and there was a expected shift back to Republicans after yeah. inflation. The red wave. It was right. crazy. Like and it didn't happen. It didn't happen because there was this frustrated attitude of oh you guys are still defending the same thing you're still defending the ronald reagan consensus no oh and the and like what they hadn't gotten their way on which was abortion they did and everything sucks the world's less efficient like if you're taking it from a non-normative view i'm personally like very pro-choice just gonna admit that but like but the but there's but it, whether you are or not if you're one of these apathetic people who only cares about Civic stability or a, a woman business has the right to choose. Right, that that's Jay a and disaster for that. that. The world's oh. not more stable with the pro-lifers getting their way, and that sort of gives you hope of like, oh, there's no lockstep way back to the free market economy where minimum wages forever seven twenty five. That's not there. There's not a giant army that's going to defend that. There's just this. Let's There's, have our money back by gold, then we could get it back to seven dollars and seventy five cents. Oh my god, dude! If I hear one more thing about like the Austrian school, like 
to me, that is just the epitome of not moving away from money, which is really sorry. The problem we got to get back to Shin Ultraman, though, because if you let me talk about that, I'll just. All right. Let's not talk about ending the Fed. Let's talk about Shin Ultraman. Yeah. So we're back to Shin Ultraman. (laughs) (laughs) So but but I feel like this was all Shin Ultraman. Yes, because like we have a government, the Japanese government, both in Shin Godzilla, Shin Ultraman Mm -hmm. that I mean, in Shin Godzilla, it was like Diego, like what you said truly despair because like we had a disaster a crisis mm-hmm. and they were like uh we don't know what to do so we're not going to do anything in- until it's too late so- and then with shin ultraman they are doing something at this point they're mm-hmm. you know keeping the kaijus at bay barely and then it's getting out of hand and then luckily they find hope mm-hmm. from the heavens Damn, you know, I was, I literally was just kind of saying because, oh, excuse me, I was, uh, I, this was at the tip of my tongue, mm-hmm. but, um, in the be, right in the beginning of the movie, it shows Shin Godzilla, oh, Shin Ultraman, but then it shows something that looks like Shin Godzilla. That's yeah, a fake out. Right, but it was a fake out, but didn't it feel Did like. I download the wrong movie? It felt like <laughs> such a, uh, a sm- now that I think back to it, it's like, what a smooth transition into feeling like this is within the same universe, and yeah. this is supposed to be like a sequel to what you've already seen. There's this narrative yeah. turn. Yes. Um, yeah. I read a I yeah. read a post-cyberpunk book once, and in the first like 80 pages. They what was the title? Uh, Diamond Age. I don't think I've heard of that. Oh, uh, it, it's the same guy who did um, Snow Crash. But yes. It's a much more like, you I would so, say, mature work. You it's, definitely suggest. Yeah, it's like a, yeah. They, these people essentially recreate a Victorian society with nanotechnology and they have like competing societies. Like one's based on Shining Path in Peru and another's based on like classical Confucian society. Anyway, the point is the first 80 pages, mm-hmm. they have this classical cyberpunk character with like, you know, microchips in his sunglasses or whatever and he's like ultra does, carbon right whatever yeah, yeah, yeah like johnny have you seen it yeah you've seen it. i haven't seen the anthony mackie um uh season have not oh no i haven't i haven't seen either season so. he's in that yeah in the second dude, oh, season two yeah oh man wait uh he, season he must one, be desperate for money no i mean like <laughs> i i i think of anything like good for him but i <laughs> also i haven't seen a lot of netflix content so like i'd have to a bit one of those see it to uh rate it till I see it. Yeah. I yeah, I would I would hold off too. I mean but okay, wait, wait, wait. Let me let me finish that thought. Um so with that what you were saying is the false Shin Godzilla entrance sort of mm. in the in this book, um they basically have a cyberpunk character, cliche cyberpunk character, and then he gets arrested for whatever cool crime he's doing, and you're like, oh, he's gonna get out of it, because they're describing his, like, walk to the execution, and then he just gets, like, fucking killed. And then they have a completely different character come in. I think it's, like, his daughter, mm-hmm. stepdaughter. And Ned Stark did. Right, but it's but she's a post cyberpunk character, right? She's like a woman, she's a child, she's someone on the outside of technology. Oh. And and that's kind of like the whole inversion of like, you know, whenever you put post in something and it's like, we inverted four elements or, or a new genre. Like that it's framing it for the audience of like this is not gonna be a cyberpunk book. This is gonna be a post cyberpunk book. It's gonna be a whole different thing. Mm. You know, like the the old one is dead, the old one's gone, you were punked, we knew we were gonna punk 
punk you and like yeah it like it's like kaiju world because it's because they 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 understand the threat they're they like they they um they're adapting their morality has been internalized and and what happens (laughs) yeah and what happens (laughs) and what what happens when that like gets squished right because pre-kaiju was like oh shit what is this how naive we and like oh how naive we are oh (laughs) we figured it out Yeah. Well, this this had such shampoo on the plane. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what I think the other thing is that um, made the connection even stronger to Ultraman was how human humanoid he is, and almost uh, when he's fighting the monsters too. um, Ultraman. I can't help but think they built that around the fact that he is human. When Ultraman is right, right. When Ultraman is fighting these like kind of monsters that he's posed with in the beginning, his naive uh, naivety of like, wow, this is like naivete of like, (laughs) wow, this is easy. Like I feel like in the first kaiju fight, he made it look so easy like effortless effortless. and it was is like i this is why i'm here well that kaiju didn't know what was up like the the next couple were not caught lacking to the same degree yeah like they had they had like a power strip surge protector going on Uh they were Uh i thought you know when the when the like missionary one showed up he's like all i ask is that you accept jesus christ as your lord and savior and jesus is me Before yes. we go any further, because yes. we're we're getting into the plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Diego, mm-hmm. I need you to do a full summary mm-hmm. of Shin Ultraman, and then we can dive deeper into the plot. Sure. Are you ready? Absolutely. Okay, go. Shin Ultraman is about a being from outer space here to defend us when hope is lost. We are in a world post-Godzilla, if you will. It's all about what happens when our when we figure out the kaijus and when the kaijus adjust and they're essentially pushing us to our limits of intellectual science and hope. Very nice. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean Shin Ultraman is like Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You know, I went into it expecting Shin Godzilla vibes, like you said. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a dark movie, yeah. and I loved it. Oh, my gosh. I love bleak stuff. I love dystopian mm-hmm. stuff. I love horror. And Shin, Shin Godzilla was all of that. Yes. Shin Ultraman is the inverse of it. Oh. <laughs> it's the complete polar opposite. 
and I was a little thrown off. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Wait, what? It's this is this is campy. This is a little bit silly." <laughs> it was self aware at the, many points. The silliness gave me hope. It was I don't know. It is very hope filled because I, like we have this. Ultraman, Shin Ultraman. I didn't yes. get into how I discovered Shin Ultraman mm-hmm. or just Ultraman. It's because of Ready Player One, the book. Because in the movie, uh, the main character, uh, Artemis or whatever his uh-huh. name is, he uses the uh, the Iron Giants as like his like Dude. person to like win the day. In the book, no, it's Ultraman. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That would be so and sick. I, Google, I was like, who the hell is Ultraman? So, oh, okay. So I thought that the whole movie revolved around an axis of awareness. I thought, like you said, the kaiju were aware, and the people were aware of the kaiju, and a lot of the movie was this accelerating awareness. The thing is, and I just I discovered it because we're like halfway through the movie, because like what I love about Shin Godzilla is it's a very grounded movie. Mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot of cinematic language being used. It's like security cameras almost or like cameras that are like mounted on stuff it's almost yeah. brutal machine shot. yes it's brutal yeah, yeah. and then with Shin uh, Ultraman they continue that like it's it's very like all the dialogue exposition scenes it's like we're looking into their universe through like security cameras or like webcams or like right. even point of view like people's eyeballs mm-hmm. and it's like we're observing the main characters as they're observing the events of, yeah, which, of yeah. Ultraman. The cinematography change was one of increasing awareness, awareness of the characters, awareness of like just even the objects in the room as a focal point. But then also I would say that the the hope, the 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 original concept of if you want to take the hope that you guys were talking about, I think it all fits inside of the awareness. I don't think any of the hope in Shin Ultraman does not pertain to the awareness, the awareness that like you can, that, that there's like a solution, but also an awareness of like, clearly all of these strange creatures from broad have just, Oh, what's the word? They all have this goofy, like social manipulator plan. That's Mm -hmm. very elementary. And maybe it's elementary because it's meant to be pulpy, but it's also elementary in that like another character catches them doing it. And then they catch that character doing something. You guys notice that a lot of these uh, uh, plot points, a lot of the story points that sort of drive the whole thing Mm -hmm. are it are sort of the um, how is it described? Uh, The creators of South Park said, um, that you move a story ahead with either and then or but then, and like every single turn in this movie is a but then. It's like, like improv. <laughs> yeah, You're adding instead of like doing a whole thing. It's there's like, a turn every time that yes. something's introduced. It's yes. turned a little bit by another character, and it gives it this. I think I said it reminded me of the blacklist on network TV. It's one of these like I've yes. never seen. What is the blacklist? It was on NBC like <laughs> ten years ago or more. Uh, with what was the main guy? Oh, uh, the um, actor? Raymond Reddington, played by the guy who plays Robert California yes. in The Office, <laughs> and he's in that yes. BDSM movie, Secret. Yes. Uh, with, God, I forget his name, but like, uh, fantastic. He's in Sixteen Candles, right? I've yes. never. Wait, yeah. who is this? I'm sorry. Um, James Spader, right? Yes, James, yeah, James Spader. Spade. He is this infamous Spade. Boy. Yeah, he's James? in. He's in Boston Legal. He's in Boston Legal. So not related to David Spade, right? No, David Spade. No. This is James Spader. Mm. So James Spader's mm-hmm. like he says things like this. 
I thought you wouldn't know that, but I was in Burma, and when I was there, I met a rare man, and for jewels, he would kill a man, cut his heart out, and put it in a jar. This man went to New York City 20 years later, and I gave him a job at a pizza den. While he was there, he met a man who could sell me any sort of firearm he wanted, and it just keeps going and going and going, and this movie has that pace of, like... You, you're like, this is going to be a moment with pauses, meditation. No, no, no. It's another like ironic conversation between the members of this team about how management is failing to detect the kaiju and they're making like little snaps at each other and flirting. And it's like, what am I supposed to pay attention to here? If not all of this, you right. know, like that was the Shin Ultraman feeling I had where I kept waiting for a moment of like, OK, they're going to grieve in a really slow montage and I can go to the bathroom. No, no, this is, this is the density of Van Helsing, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) or even get out. Get out is like, there's no fat in that baby. And with Shin Ultraman, (laughs) it is lean is 93, seven lean, but it's lean and muscular. Cause there's so much to it. There's not a short movie. I, I love how, how like every scenario also just like kind of picks up right after the other. Yeah. Like it's just, it's, I, I almost hated how you can tell how many days were between each, um, um, each problem. I feel like problem Same. is so so tiny. Like, no, I mean, oh, it's we have another monster it, it's very pirate, It's very Pirates of the Caribbean too, where they just keep adding more and more plot, and you're like, like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna say like, um, yeah, like it, and then like the also like how the fact that like it was um all the um when you think of the the kaiju that attacked in the beginning how elemental they were of the of the earth when it came to the one that dealt with electricity so you think of lightning and whatnot yeah. then you think of the one that comes of from the ground but then when you think they're of the, the natural gods and then but when God you think you. and then when you think of the ones that of, of light they're yeah. like those are the most godlike because with yeah and then they move up to like gnosticism and neoplatonism with their idea of an entity like oh, oh this so is all about crazy. morality now yeah it's, it's it, like you know game show morality i guess yeah like, yeah and it, it's crazy because it's even though like ultraman had like a, a main nemesis even the main nemesis was like part of like um it was under an, yeah it was even oh, another Mistopheles. What, yeah. what is this Mistopheles? what is this it's from faust a yeah. German play, Mistopheles okay. is it's like a prince of hell. Okay, so that. happy we can take Mistopheles from Faust. What is Faust? Also, Faust is a, a story. Play. It's a classical German story about a man who sells his soul to the devil and has a very famous telling of it that's a play. Yes. Probably the most famous and most detailed. It's called the Mestophilian Bargain, where it's like, I want something, but I have to sell my soul to get it. Mm-hmm. Type of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And You're making a deal with the devil. And the guy literally does that when he's like, all I ask is that I'm recognized as. Whatever the ultimate feudal jerk off move of like I am your lord, <laughs> and you know like and, and yeah yeah and you're like well what is what are the ramifications and he's just kind of like nothing for now you know and it's it's going to be something else and the people with authority with power and with curiosity of power know that which I think is Ultraman but um but nobody else is thinking they just want to break they're being very reactionary very subservient very like. 
waiting for somebody else to make the decision for them and they're thinking and they do all that to kind of show how Shin Ultraman really is on the sorry not Shin Ultraman Ultraman is on the level of all of these um, kaiju where they're all thinking about like the end of the world world domination galactic level things Mm -hmm. cosmic level things and all the Japanese are thinking about how their constituency is going to go they they literally make a remark of like well this is in his electoral constituency that's not going to be good like I miss that I didn't even get yeah it's part of what what I'm saying like with the COVID remark of everybody's priorities are trash in this movie except for the truly great characters they sort of lower the characters that are not worth respecting by showing them not as inefficient or lazy human beings but ones with mixed up priorities absolutely all right guys we talked a lot about shin ultraman and i think it's time to finally get off the fence on a few questions Mm -hmm. okay i have my first one yes so we talked about shin ultraman shin Mm -hmm. godzilla Mm -hmm. yeah who do you think would win in a fight ultraman or godzilla in the shin universe Ultraman, he's like fucking Batman. He always has prep time. I don't you know. know. Shin Godzilla, Diego knows. Mm, I think I would say, um, I think in some weird kind of crazy way, right? Is that um, it would it would like <clears throat> it would be like this kind of neutralizing of. Uh, a uh, factor in the sense of that Such so a cop-out answer no, i was gonna say <laughs> right and i understand that right but um i i, I think i i i call back to or I, I think back to um honestly when i when i go to japan right um for some reason there's like this um there's like this monument and i wish i remember where it was within japan <laughs> but it's literally uh like one of the last standing pieces um that is like still kind of radiated still standing from hiroshima yes so from like it's it's like this kind of small piece of like village that's still lack from a still standing yeah uh from from the bomb right oh it's like that weird silo looking thing yeah it almost looked like a a piece of a home or something like that so i think when i think of um when i think of the ending between shin uh ultraman and shin godzilla it has to be in the sense of like more of a remembrance of the clash between despair and hope and when i think about that i think about um that last standing like home that of part of like from the bomb right where it was yes it is this long, like a statue. It is almost like the a statue of a dictator, right? Where it is this long-standing kind of like thought of like this was once an evil thing, but is a remembrance of what we have, how we could be better. And so, for that, when I think of the clash between Shin Ultraman and Shin Godzilla, I think of, um, I think of essentially something that is living to destroy. Versus something that is willing to live, uh, versus something that's willing to die for others to live. So it's almost like this neutrality. So mm. when one asks me who would win, it would it's it's a neutral point because at the end of the day, it's kind of like one could argue that one could win over the other, but at the end of the day, it's like. They're almost both so powerful. And yes, this is my cop out, whatever. But no, I I think like, seriously, like, 
both of their like um existences stand so mighty that it's it has to for me it would end in like them standing in frozen forever which yeah kind of like you know how shin godzilla ended but like it would feel more of like this is something we've grown past almost in like the end of akira where there's like the giant hole in the ground where it's supposed to be like reminiscent of like losing a whole civilization same thing you know see I don't think it's that much in balance. I think these these forces are wildly out of balance and they're not necessarily mutually opposed in a hope and despair way. Like I feel the hope and despair when I think about it, but I feel like that's the Christian worldview mm. that hope has to keep continuing existing and trying to impose sort of the, the 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 more like polytheistic natural forces angle of it where hope is sort of seen as this thing along with like vengeance and naivete and forgiveness as these superfluous emotions trying to take control of a narrative, but you can't in the face of force. Mm -hmm. I don't think the Japanese really saw the atomic bomb as like a turning point. I think they saw it as like the America has an overwhelming force. They have a right to commit like two giant war crimes, then move in, rewrite our constitution and reorganize our society. And, and, and like, with Shin Ultraman, they're like, well, we're at the mercy of these big forces. Let's hope the big force has a nice idea in mind. And a lot of them don't. And Shin Ultraman, I mean, he can flat and kill all of them, but he he ultimately has some nice ideas about humanity compared to the fake Christian, you know, whatever he's called guy. Melpheus. Um, Melpheus, yeah. And compared to just the simple natural, like a flood comes and wipes out a society, which is kind of what the more primitive kaiju were. Um, I think it's saying, hey, the best force you can hope for is a is like a moral just one, mm-hmm. but it's still going to just steamroll over you and impose itself in your community, in your home, in your little cute valley that gets blown to smithereens. That's what's going to happen. These are still helpless people against natural forces. They've just found a natural force that can think and a natural force that uses so much intelligence with its force that it gives dignity to, like you said, humanity, like intelligence, because it's using those, it validates them. It says, hey, all of these morals and all these values we have turn out to be a powerful force on their own turn out to be a force versus radiation or versus even simple death or totalitarianism of an idea or an individual. It turns out to hold its own in a very, not even on a moral ground, but just wish force is bigger. It's like, Oh, this one is it. So I think it's optimistic about that, but I think it's not, it's saying this was always eternal and now you recognize it, but now you just recognize you're never going to build enough, a big enough missile to have a totalitarian state of hope and love. You're always going to have it fighting against all the other natural disasters, all the other natural things. You know, you, you, you could have a society that's really, 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 really wonderful and really egalitarian and full of equity. Yeah, you can take this one. <laughs> Thanks. And, uh, <laughs> doing a, a, a re up here. Um you can have a society that's all the great things. Then they get hit by an earthquake and a plague and then some assholes move in and take them over. And that's like a lot of the stories of the ancient world, that the really peaceful egalitarian society. They didn't get wiped out by their own arrogance. They just had people fly it. It's just randomly remembered how this guy came in and be like, hey, I'm the captain now. 
And then yeah. he hit it. <laughs> and how he just like, I don't know. He's a force. And these people mm. interact with each other mm. not by their like what they're hoping or how they're cooperating, but as a force. And it's all about the forces and the awareness of the forces. That's how I see it. Is that like there's the, where where imminence meets transcendence is where you realize that everything eternal in nature is all the grimy things in nature, and and it's these things that just fuck up your life. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. that's, mm-hmm. that's what it is. Right. I really like what you had to say about this uh, Diego, mm-hmm. where it's like this unstoppable force meets immovable objects mm-hmm. arguments, mm-hmm. but. I think looking at the plot of the movie with Ultraman, he was having trouble with lesser kaiju. Like he was getting his oh, butt yes. whooped. And now he overcame it and defeated them mm-hmm. ultimately. But like, mm-hmm. I think he would have major issues if he was fighting a fully powered Godzilla, mm-hmm. the king of the monsters. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. if it's a Shin Ultraman movie, like, Say, like, Shin Godzilla versus Ultraman. Mm. Ultraman will probably win. It's all about whose uh, name is larger <laughs> than the title screen. Yes. And who's bigger on the poster. Yeah, exactly. When you say the bigger one, I just think of, like, you call Comcast tech support. You, like, you want to speak to the manager, and they're an even bigger asshole. And you're like, oh, <laughs> no. Somehow you know, I'm owing you're more speaking money on, uh, You're speaking on some uh, personal... Um, uh, situations I'm sorry you had to deal with. I think it's a pretty global, empathetic feeling that your mm-hmm. internet service provider is a terrible phone experience. You know, mm-hmm. it really mm-hmm. is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I used to know people who use Cox Internet. I knew people I who worked for the phone service there who were like, we're horrible. You want to know the best way to beat me in Modern Warfare 2? Call me because I had dial up. Oh. All right, Diego, this is the best question for you. Sure. Do you think this representation of Ultraman is true to the Shin name? Is this the true representation of Ultraman? Uh, that is such a uh, fun question because um, <laughs> uh, before this uh, this conversation that we're having now, I uh, watched a video that kind of talked about on a lot of original Shin Ultraman and had a feeling that like this movie was probably a conglomerate of the um, original series. And I was um, correct. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Would you say this is below Shin Ultraman and maybe below Shin Ultraman is ankle Ultraman? Um. (laughs) You tried. I need like 10 push-ups. <laughs> like I, I need I wanted to watch your face sink into like misery and I got what I wanted. And I had to think of the most off the wall punishment because <laughs> like what, what's something like none of us at this table want to do right now? Push-ups. I thought you were going to do the Sopranos thing where you just like shove my hand in boiling oil, you know, like mm. you know. <laughs> No, we're better friends than that. No, like, don't worry about it. I didn't know how much I upset you, you know. (laughs) You would say. (laughs) That was a really terrible pun, you know? Uh, Yeah. yeah. It's the true. Is it this? Is it truly Shin Ultraman? Well, I mean, it's it's, honestly, it um, 
as someone who's never seen Ultraman before, what I will say is that uh, Shin Ultraman really made me believe that this was like the origins of Ultraman. And when I watched a like a a quick move. video on youtube explaining the origins of ultraman they were explaining how this movie was essentially a conglomerate of the best episodes of the first season which was about 39 episodes and i felt that like i felt like um oh, i felt like, like this, this was true medley of ultraman i felt like this was like true to the subject matter and i felt that in the in a lot of the like sound effects a lot of the shots and whatnot, because they, even they were saying like within this um, short uh, 15 minute video that they were saying like yeah. how the cinematography was of this was like really good. And I, I like felt that like, as I must, felt like a 1960s. Yeah. Movie. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. There. I'm yes, almost kind of disappointed yes. though. Cause I thought they just yeah. had this incredibly dense original story. And mm. now it's like, Oh, this is it's like, a lot of reading in this movie for sure. Yeah. This yeah. is like the redactions of like an ancient, text you know how like they talk about how the the epic of gilgamesh or the bible went through all these redactions of condensing stories more and more and more till they reached a 2000 year of editing frame like this is this is like we've we've perfected the season arc down to this incredibly dense little story Mm -hmm. we trimmed all of the fats and and it's also (laughs) quite the pure opposite of shen godzilla was all about figuring out this large issue with a monster and then shin ultraman was figuring out how can we figure it out amongst ourselves to put into this one singular thought of to to inspire ultraman to do his best yeah because you're thrown in media res you know you're just like oh man this is already happening and i didn't look up anything about ultraman before this because i was like i'll let the origin story tell me it and then oh same yeah i was like five minutes in i'm like this is not an origin story (laughs) yeah this is like you get a you get a cd out of a bin at a dollar store and you're like oh this is first album and it's like greatest hits of like like six albums you know now that's what i call ultraman so so, okay so if it wasn't that's what i call ultraman i have a off the fence question for you guys okay so what band or artist would you feel like um well mm, so shin ultraman or anything within the shin series is definitely of this is a reintroduction of their new sound, oh. uh, uh, similar to Blade Runner twenty forty nine or any other popular um, oh, second yeah. iteration or reboot or a sequel to the original. What um what artist? What musical artist do you feel like also has a similar reconstruction? That's really hard because usually musicians evolve their sound and they change over Mm -hmm. like how humans change and we change the band's sound changes Mm -hmm. or else they'll get into the trap of like, oh, this sounds like their old stuff. They're rehashing their old sound. This isn't original. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I don't think I think it's more rare if a band doesn't change their sound, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it was uh, this a little bit of a tangent, but kind of as of, as of a lately, my um, professor in my like um, HCD class was telling me about like David Bowie and like mm-hmm. how, like just how, um, what what a like a divergence from what we were talking about. Like just, but um, just the idea of like uh, the ever evolving chat. Uh, well, I'm totally going to 
find a way to link this back. So David Bowie's every album had changed and like kind of iterated over the time and right and whatnot. Correct. And this is me linking it back to Shin Ultraman uh, within uh, Shin Ultraman. Right. I think another thing that was, um, I, I think it was another thing that was like really interesting was that like the first, um, the, one of the last few Kaijus within the movie, right. Was very physical, very, earthly like of the earth changes whether it represented a, a nuclear strike a, an ice age or even an earthquake but then when it came to the core of light it all became of intellectual thought it was and ethereal of, yes yeah and like it was more like of like okay what of the physical plane what of the mental plane right you know what mm. i'm saying so like I don't know. You that. moved up from like the world of forms to the world of the noose and the toe head. Yes. It's like Neoplatonism or whatever. Yeah. It, it's, <laughs> it's almost as like, okay, now that you have died, now this is almost you uh, not repenting, but um, owning up to your sins. Hence Christianity. I think it's a broader human instinct to see reality in in clipped terms that you don't have to look as closely at everything like Mm -hmm. thinking back to like ancient greek philosophy and how a lot of the stuff the really early stuff like before socrates was essentially people trying to figure out i'm observing all these different things in the world what do they all have in common Mm -hmm. so in the in the implicit attraction of seeing what everything has in common is that you don't have to keep track of everything anymore if you're setting up a tent you don't have to keep track of all the parts you just need to keep track of like the parts that are in tension as you're putting up two poles or whatever right and if you take somebody that is I know we made the joke about like Pythagoras earlier, but he thought the world was made of numbers because when you started just measuring and counting things, you stopped needing to keep track of so much. It revealed a truth that was very transferable in patterns across anything that could be measured or counted. Right. right. And the attraction with making things transcendental is that you get this truncated like I stop seeing all of these human situations and I start seeing love. I start seeing justice. I start seeing efficiency or excellence. And I'm now not, not on the lookout for what makes a good sandwich, what makes a good painting, what makes a good lover, what makes a good career, you know, what makes a good warrior. I'm on the lookout of like what embodies excellence in all these things, what embodies it in all these things I can find. And so I think it's a very natural human behavior to look at things less and less natural and less and less sort of, um, I don't know what the word is like foundational and more and more conceptually. Yeah. And so, yeah, maybe that kind of follows the development of a character. Maybe it follows the development of a story, but I think it's almost inevitable that it's going to one, you're going to just kind of see the characters get more and more complicated, but on another level, you're going to say, Hey, this is Ultraman in the flesh. This is Ultraman in the dirt. This is now Ultraman as a as a intelligent being. Yeah. And then this is Ultraman as a moral being. And then this is Ultraman as a transcendent transcendental being. And sure, Christianity gets into that, Buddhism gets into that with ego death, Neoplatonism gets into that. But all of this is just the pattern of humans. Basing transcendence on the fact that they find more and more of reality happening all at once and less and less of reality differentiated. And like that's that's less of a thing about Ultraman special than just like this is human behavior 
This is the inevitability of the development of human behavior. This is what a person individuating goes through in phases. And they're trying to individuate this character. They're making the conflict to develop the character. So it makes sense that they'll do it in a human way, you know? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> does that answer your question, Diego? Yes, it totally does. <laughs> but on that note, I would say musically then, you know, bring it back. <laughs> yeah, here we go. So it, I would say that it reminded me closer to some sort of rapper who's been around a long time mm. and has stayed with it and transformed themselves like Jay-Z or Eminem where they're, they're or low Wayne. Yeah. Where their technique yes. has gotten better and better. And they're, they're obviously realizing that the general public and the general direction of taste, they, 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 oh, they give it charity and believing that it makes it more nuanced, mm-hmm. closer to excellence, more emotionally relatable. So they adjust to it. They're refining their craft. Yeah. And, and like in the way, right. In the, in the way that and also like, think about it, it's spoken word. Yeah, it's it, just like a comedian going up there to the clubs and they're refining their act. Yeah, and they're the aware of how they were. They're aware of how the audience knew they were. They're aware of the influence they had. Mm-hmm. Then they're aware of how the influence changed and came back to them. Yeah. And this whole thing in Ultraman, all the little winks and jokes of like, why does this only happen in Japan? And like, <laughs> why does the UN suck? And like, yeah. why are we all acting like, you know, red shirts or whatever? Like, that's. That is, first of all, that's the kaiju genre becoming self-aware. But then that's also them saying, okay, now that we're self-aware, how do these characters function? How does the story function? And then they're saying, now that we're all aware of that, let's inject that back into the character's dialogue again. And so there's this big fossil, this big sort of vestigial organ of they started out in this very unaware pulpy genre. And now it's a genre that's like making ironies out of the way it's evolved mm-hmm. and how it's now facing all of the simple pulpy elements as a very evolved aware genre, you know? Um, can I have an example? So like um, a better example of this outside of, well, I could give it inside of Ultraman. Uh, without giving spoilers, could you do that within Ultraman? Sure. So Ultraman begins with what is, first of all, the meat and potatoes of what we want to see. They have like this badass fight happen. Right. And and, and there's there's no. Yeah, there's no like like Ultraman came from Superman, like Superman in the the flip like was. Yeah. Yeah. There's no there's no Megamind or Superman or Spider-Man. Like nobody's getting bitten by a spider. Nobody's landing on Earth. You're just like. No, like people are getting fucked, then more shit happens and there's a panic, la di da di da. And here we are, right? And that's a very simple kaiju genre that there's a fight, people, the bystanders panic, but the fight happens and then the fight ends. And then the people that are bystanders are trying to interfere and they're learning. They're getting more and more complicated in like, maybe we can stop this. Maybe this will be absorbed. Their observational patterns get more and more complex from initial panic to making sense of what is deadly and what is not deadly about this conflict. Then they try to consciously interfere in it. Then they search for the origin of these creatures and then they're making jokes about we are making these mistakes that other people have made before. We cannot escape these mistakes because it's all we know how to problem solve. And it's a wink to the audience of like, 
ah, they always try to do the same damn thing. What a bunch of dumb humans. Like, they're always going to get clocked by Godzilla or Ultraman or whoever else. And they're going, why are we doing this? And they're getting agitated. And then these characters are recognizing that they're doing this. And they get this weird dynamic where the government's like, we know that the monsters, for some reason, only talk to you guys. So we're going to sequester you. And immediately there's a turnaround of like, okay, well, then like, we're just going to like not cooperate and like, what the fuck are you going to do? That's not a hand that you have. So, so a lot of this is escalating awareness. It is people becoming aware in their, in, the, in their experience of being a subject, right? Yeah. Walk, you, you're this disembodied thing that is without, without limits and without gender and without clogged aortas. You're this, you're this floating being observing something. And then you realize you are tied to this little meat bag of a thing. And you realize all the meat bags around you are tied to observation in a disembodied way. And you realize that when you put together everybody's disembodied observation, you get a more advanced form of disembodied observation. And then the more things that you recognize are doing that, you know, this is like what Hegel talks about of like a community becoming more and more self-aware and moving their society along. But it happens in little ways, in crafts, in narratives of character development. It is the idea of something that can observe itself and observe the every the way that everything interacts around it, mm-hmm. becoming more and more aware of the complicated ways it can affect its reality. And that's all what this is about. That's what the genre is about. Kaiju becoming more aware that it's Kaiju. You, yeah. the Ultraman's aware that like I'm a rare alien. I should act in like a stoic Marcus Aurelius way of a civic citizen. And like I'm aware that I'm this. I'm aware I'm the UN. I should ask Japan to pay for their own defense. Like it's almost of um, also there's a, a a part of the movie where one of the kaiju is trying to use humans as yeah. kaiju as well. And it's 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 it. <clears throat> It's a kind of a reverse psychology where see where when we watch a monster movie, we're like, huh, that monster's getting got, right? Yeah. Like the monster's gonna die. Like we don't care about it. But when we see a, a human as a um I remember within um Shin Ultraman there was a, a point where uh, a human was almost turned into a kaiju where you see her kind of where you see her crash through her building with her uh physical um, physical form and you feel like why would you do that to yourself right and it's the same thing when you think of these kinds of it's like you just don't feel the same way it's because you can't like you can't like obviously like communicate one for one but it's 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 that disconnect that they're trying to show is like see like humans don't actually like well because yeah if if all yes. humans are yes. a kaiju mm-hmm. like you're saying then essentially as long as one is still alive they're immortal so sure, they can all die, but the reason that they're sacrificing themselves in all this is because it's really great to put your roulette bet on humanity as a whole, because so far it's been immortal, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it hasn't died out as a unit, yeah. you know? And, and these kaiju can die, but, like, they can stop a whole bunch of us, and we can, like, think of how freaky we are as a living species. Imagine if you had a, a, a fish tank full of shrimp, and you come back, and they've invented combustion engines. Like one more <laughs> off-the-fence question for you. Yeah. Both of you. Okay. Okay. So, let's say if uh, if y'all had said a gi- it was a giant penguin, yeah. because it was a... um. Uh, uh, and, and they had the ability of ice... Um, what giant monster would you hate to see, but would love to see 
and by giant monster in the same vein that Godzilla is a radioactive dead bones of a dinosaur. Yeah. What do you feel like design wise would be very cool as a giant thing? Um oh something like the being from Annihilation or mm-hmm. Solaris. But I, in a, I was almost thinking as a uh That's um, pretty much Ultraman. Right. Right. So well, I was no, 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 no. Like So I was thinking of a, an animal. More like of uh, uh, okay. Uh, I'm thinking a praying mantis if I were to put ooh. money down. Because I was like, okay, I want to see like a bug yeah. oversized because like yeah. they're pretty creepy looking. Yeah. Like oh, they're yeah. extremely creepy looking. So it's like if you were to like magnify it to be like the size of a human, mm-hmm. a car, Shit. a building, that'd be Shit. horrifying. You don't even have to add much difference to it. It's just a giant bug. And if there was a male one, you know it would be an issue because the female would mate with it, eat it, and then all of its babies would be like, I'm ready to feast on the human population. Yeah. Which would suck. Michael? I I would want it to be, like, <laughs> wild. Like, well, the Solaris one where it's a giant yeah. amoeba colony yeah. that okay. thinks in x-rays and can mess with other beings' thoughts, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I like that idea. but uh-huh. But I also would like... You know, something like it could be like a fungus where the last of us doesn't really get into it. Mm. But imagine if it's a unified fungal colony, but it functions in a way like, you know, they say at the end annihilation, like, yeah. I don't know if it wants. Yeah. Um, or something wild like um, like a, 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 a planet with a super fluid surface mm-hmm. and it's essentially functioning like an organic super fluid supercomputer. Mm-hmm. And it can, because of the ways that superfluids are easily changed and sculpted, mm-hmm. it is a giant dynamic computer, basically, mm-hmm. or a giant dynamic intelligence. Mm-hmm. And it essentially exists by flinging itself into other orbits. And it shows up here by crashing into the moon or some wild shit. That would be like the wild thing I would want to. So Halo. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. Like, my. Um... I, I I can't help but to feel like of the physical aspects and like the tenacity, like tenacity screams out to me in my head. So I think when it comes to a giant monster movie, that would be fucking crazy. Yeah. Is a Wolverine. Like, <laughs> dude, dude. Hugh Jackman. <laughs> but like, Wolf, uh, it's either, I, I feel like I'm thinking of a, of a, a Wolverine, or I feel like there's something else that's just as just as like just as fucking tough. Because I know a Wolverine. Oh, you know what? It, you know what it is. I'm getting a Wolverine mixed up with a Tasmanian Daredevil, where they like kind of crawl out of like a dead carcass and just go. Oh my god! Like it's crazy. So Tasmanian devils, they literally. So when they feed, so they're like vultures, right? They'll feed on a dead carcass but they'll kind of like burrow inside of a dead carcass and then come (laughs) out and just kind of like cry out of it it's crazy that would be wild so so uh, so hence my point well uh, yes a tasmanian devil sounds um mm, how do i say like uh horrifying in the sense that it's a sound that you can't remember a wolverine is tough 
beyond imagine finding a fighting a grizzly bear i don't know i think it's i almost kind of think of like a wolverine having the same properties of a tasmanian devil just burrowing aside its prey just being like surprise you know it's crazy now you're you're making me think of what would be then the worst and immediately i just thought dromedary camel oh or orcas that can walk on land oh or the worst <laughs> the manatee. <laughs> the manatee's like, hey guys, how's it going? And it just drills. Yeah. Get the boat motor. <laughs> All right, boys. Final question. Yes. yes. Would you recommend Shin Ultraman to a friend? Which friend? It's for you to decide. <laughs> well, yes, I could definitely yeah. find at least a couple friends that would really like it. You, uh, I, you would I, recommend it? I know some would like really hate it. Here's the thing. I was raised in a household where each of my parents had completely opposite taste in movies. So that's why I'm like, I, I don't have a total recommendation for really anything. Nice. My mother hated Goodwill hunting and yes. my dad hated Top Hat starring like Fred Astaire and all that. You know, <laughs> they both hated Stanley Kubrick. So like, <laughs> you know, uh, in terms of a total recommendation, I don't have one, but okay. I would uh, I would recommend it to anybody who likes Dense, pulpy, self-aware irony. Mm. I'll do that. I'll do that. That's nice. Sorry, I feel like I interrupted you, Diego. Mm. Yeah, Diego, would you recommend Shin Ultraman? Absolutely. I had such a great time watching this movie. I will say, um, it is a little, um, uh, um, I said lyrically dense. It's almost like <laughs> a writtenly dense. Whatever. They cover a lot. In two hours. I would say there's um there's a lot to pay attention to. So like I would almost kind of say like watch it on I feel like I said the same thing for Shin Godzilla where it was like watch it on um watch it on a uh dub and then watch it on sub only just because um watch it on dub to cover everything about like the exposition and everything about what they say about the movie and, and the origin of Shin Ultraman and then watch it on sub to watch it for all the um honestly for all the visuals because like I would say this one thing about the Shin series is that they do really well what they yeah. do really well is that um a lot of the visuals are um, when it comes to zooming out, um, they just do a great amount of like not making the CGI look so painful, if you will, yeah. not so unrecognizable. Yeah. And within this series, you just like do the right amount to like, damn, you know what? That could be a um, what was the term that you had said earlier? I wish I knew. Oh. It, uh, for you can't even tell when someone was uh, within a, a giant rubber suit. That was the first oh, monster. Oh, uh, the the tokusatsu sort of thing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So like, the tokusatsu is like like you can't even tell within this movie, and it's it's awesome. I would absolutely recommend watching this movie. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be nice if they had way more like practical effects and just kind of. Like, I agree. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I wish I saw more clear practical effects. The special effects yeah. near the end were getting a little dodgy. I yeah, it, I was what, like we're I running like, out of money, yes, boys. Exactly. Time to have the Scorpion. A very Evangelion esque of like, yeah, they could be like the, but oh, okay, like PS2 yeah, that's cinematic. the same director, right? Like, so Hideki Anno. Sorry, I, I so, feel like his follow through is a little weak. So uh, I the models will, were losing their texture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I will say though is that like with models losing their texture or anything that seems like out of this world, that's what makes it seem like out of this world. But then it looks cheap. 
But you don't want it to be out of this universe. Yes. But wouldn't it Starting to the look like ultimate freedom out of battle bots <laughs> would be morph morph what was that show are you talking about mighty morph and power no 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 no. it was like beta wars beast, be, beast oh animorphs and it turned into animorphs okay like the animorphs cheap was 2000s. like 1999 on nickelodeon after school yes. so that's not acceptable like 20 30 years later like no that's God damn, you remind me. Oh, man. It was turning into Animorphs. I know. Now I'm thinking of what was the villain? Visser 3, right? <laughs> yes. And he was like just so, a bureaucrat shit stain, right? Maybe I'm mixing that up with a different. Listen, yes. for me, I wouldn't recommend it. Oh. <laughs> and here's why. Because yeah. Shin Godzilla is like yeah. the buffet, the main course, the dinner. Yeah. If you haven't seen any Shins, you see the Shin Godzilla first. Agreed. And then Shin Ultraman is the dessert. Mm. It's the Panda Express. You're like, why didn't I just go to the Not buffet? even the Panda Express. Damn, it's well, like, personally, it's I... like I had, I'm full with the Godzilla. Like, that was awesome. There's more? Well, I'm happier wow. in my ignorance because I never saw Shin Godzilla. You see Shin so, Godzilla. You'll see Shin Godzilla be like, oh, now I get it. Uh, I think it's just a better constructed movie. I feel like, though, everything I've seen in this that's also in Shin Godzilla will now be unimpressive. It won't be initial. It won't be new. No, you'll be impressed. All right. All right. Trust me. I'll, I'll watch it. Right. I, I'm just. <laughs> you'll, you'll be like, oh, I get it now. There's this dread. I'm not saying the movie has to be good to be dreadful, but it's like. You just need there's... some kind of tension. You need a yeah, reason no you paying attention to uh, Oh, you think Shin Ultraman is no tension? Well, I had tension, but it's like... This, I, I know Shin Ultraman's gonna win. I thought it's just a very, like... Godzilla's J- like, are they gonna... What's gonna happen? Are they gonna kill yeah, him? Is it I good? Mean, I, I thought it was a very just-in-time sort of tension of... There was enough tension to get you to the next scene, which, by the way, is gonna be a wild turn of events. Mm-hmm. So, it was. Like, it's like whiplash. Know, yeah, like like Shin Ultraman's operating with three hundred dollars in his checking account, like three hundred sixty five days a year in terms of tension. Oh my god! Yes. You know, like like oh, we don't got a lot, but uh, <laughs> we got enough of an insurance policy to like not get a ticket. You know, oh like that's <laughs> and that was fine. That's like what that that's it the was reason fine. I said it was. Yeah, it, what, that's why, why it's like not the main course. It's like a good. Side dish. It's appetizer. not even that. It's the appetizer that has unlimited refills at the homeless shelter. It's unlimited and... breadsticks. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's it, a bottomless mimosa. But it's also in a context of like well, you're not gonna have Godzilla garden. here, you know. Like you're gonna have Ultraman. You're gonna you're gonna have the legacy of Ultraman. Mm. You're gonna have the baggage of Ultraman. Yes. The red flags, the crazy X's of Ultraman, you know. Do you think Ultraman? Yeah, he does. Are you kidding me? Wait, you the kidding? one woman that went every time. Oh, we didn't even talk about because her. it's not that. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not that. It's, not it's cute. It's cute. It, it, it adds to the uh, you know. It adds to the uh, uh, sexualization of any other Evangelion episode. It does, but I was waiting for her like the self butt grabber. I'll call her. The self hindquarter grabber, which is so weird. Yeah. I don't know if if you're listening. It was so to this. neutral, and then yeah. it went towards the guys. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's just like there's this 
what's the word? I was waiting for a payoff. Where at the end, she, no like, the, she has to grab, you know, she has to grab her own ass to, like, dodge a rock falling, <laughs> even. Like, I wanted a shoe in. Of, I mean, like, with the this movie this campy, you would expect that, but it was just. I don't know. It, it was uncomfortable. She she grabbed a butt like somebody ruining a company party. Like it was just it was not a friendly <laughs> oh self butt grab. What? Are we ready to close this out, boys? Yes, yeah, I think so. we're ready. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much for coming. No, thank you. It's been a blast. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Mike, it's thanks been, for coming. Yeah, it's been Round great. Round two. Oh wonderful. All right. Oh yeah. Shall we close this out? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Alright, let's do this. Okay. Right. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs> See you guys. Have a good night, everyone. That's it for this time on The Syndicate. We hope you enjoyed yourself. Keep the conversation going by adding us on Instagram and letterboxed at Syndicate. Or join the Discord server where you can catch Armand along other podcasters and listeners at syndicate.com slash discord. And until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Goodbye. <laughs>